I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Ray Argyle joins me again. The prolific author has uh, just published a new biography, Inventing Secularism, the Radical Life of George Jacob Holyoke. The life of Holyoke, as you'll hear Ray say shortly, is an important one. Holyoke's 19th century life has some relevance to ours in the 21st. At the age of 25, Holyoke, upon release from an English prison, was determined to end religion's control over daily life. He invented the word secularism at a time when the church and state in England weren't separate. We get a sense of what drove Holyoke's uh, life and work and how he also was a campaigner for public education, freedom of the press, women's rights, universal suffrage, and the cooperative movement. This is the first modern biography of George Holyoke, a figure that uh, Ray has found admiration in. He'll tell us shortly about uh, how the rise of religious extremism and uh, populist authoritarianism may put secularism at risk in other parts of the world today. Visit rayargyle.com for more information. This new book is published by McFarland Books. It is fitting that Ray is the last guest of this, my 17th year of the podcast. He was an early guest back in 2004 when I started this show. In fact, he was on show number 16. Today is his sixth appearance on the program. Ray's not only a good friend, but remarkably productive writer. He's written biographies of Scott Joplin, De Gaulle, Joey Smallwood, and others, including a novel, a memoir, and a children's book. All this after a career in journalism and then a successful career in communications and consulting. Please uh, welcome back to the Plant Online program, Ray Argyle. Mr. Argyle, good morning. And how do you, how are you today? I'm, no. I'm pretty good, Ray. How are you? Uh, just excellent. So we've known each other for, for a number of years now. You've been, you've been on the show from the early days of me doing this. Uh, 17, 18 years ago, um, but we only met, uh, I guess it was 2019 when you were out here in Vancouver for um, for a television appearance, Yes. and I remember we went to lunch, and you were telling me about this book, and how, um, and, and I could tell then and there at lunch that how excited you were at the research, the, the, the trip that you made over to England uh, for it, and um, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed reading the book, but as I was telling you just before we started, how well it's written. Thank you, Joe. Do, do you remember uh, when it was when you first encountered the name George Holyoke? Well, yes, because uh, I had been doing uh, research on uh, various religious issues <clears throat> and uh, and secularism, and uh, I decided that uh, uh, I needed to uh, to write about the subject uh, and uh, to create this book, uh, Inventing Secularism. Um, because of the uh, astonishing and, and appalling attacks uh, that we were seeing worldwide on uh, democratic and, uh, and uh, secular rights. Uh, in the United States, uh, President Trump was riding high, mm-hmm. catering to the evangelicals, giving them everything they wanted, uh, moving toward... Uh, uh, a very conservative Supreme Court that uh, it was hoped uh, in that uh, area that the, that uh, the uh, conservatives hoped that uh, the court would abolish the uh, the right to uh, to abortion, mm-hmm. and we're now seeing in the United States attempt after attempt to restrict uh, democratic rights and, and voting, 
and all over the world we've got this uh, this problem. Uh, uh, Hungary is uh, dealing with it. Poland, uh, mm-hmm. Turkey, uh, uh, the most uh, progressive uh, uh, Islamic country for so many years is now going back into its Muslim shell. Uh, uh, India, mm-hmm. uh, Hindu nationalists are cracking down on the secularism that was bequeathed to, to uh, that country by uh, by Britain. Uh, in the Philippines, uh, we've got a, uh, uh, a rogue uh, mm-hmm. dictator who's uh, carving out uh, uh, public rights. So uh, with the support of religious factions, uh, mm-hmm. populists and autocratic regimes all around the world are threatening our democratic rights to secularism. Canada, fortunately, is one of the few countries that uh, has escaped that. In fact, in this country... If anything, we perhaps are a little bit too rigid and too extreme in the province of Quebec mm-hmm. uh, on uh, on secularism. Mm-hmm. But I, I saw I saw this book as a way of uh, of defending uh, one of the greatest movements in Western history, Joe, because yeah. secularism uh, uh, led the shift to independent thought, scientific inquiry. And, and, and free thought. So I thought that uh, I would write a biography of the uh, of the man George Jacob Holyoke, who founded secularism uh, with his invention of the word in 1851 mm-hmm. uh, in England. Yeah. So, and, so uh, we took it from there. Yeah. The, the thing that that struck me as I was reading the book, Ray, was that um, your admiration of him is clear, but you're also quite fair about him. So in terms of, of the person himself and, and what drew you to him, I mean, I, it's safe to say that this is a guy that you admire, right? Oh, indeed. And, and, and what, what is it, what are the qualities that you think of this 19th century life are, are perhaps useful for those of us in the 21st century? Well, uh, George Jacob Holyoke was a man of his time, of the Victorian age in Britain, um, he was a little shy, a little withdrawn. Uh, I think he was socially conservative in his in his personal life, mm-hmm. you know? uh, and he had his flaws, you know, as as we all do. But he didn't abuse his staff that worked for him on as many newspapers that he operated, radical weekly uh, newspapers, journals of opinion. He didn't abuse his staff. He didn't cheat his investors. He didn't beat his wife. <laughs> Uh, he was a caring father, mm-hmm. uh, a considerate husband, but a man of the Victorian age. He never asked his wife's religious views, uh, but he made no secret to her of his own. Uh, he had a great sense of humor. He was a great satirist, uh, but he was able to make light of his problems, uh, whether he found himself in a, in a flea-infested a jail cell mm-hmm. where he spent six months uh, on uh, being convicted of blasphemy when he answered a question at a public meeting as to whether he believed in God, and he said, no, he didn't. He said, I, uh, I, uh, I, uh, I look on the, I plead from the Bible as a, as a viper, and I, uh, I uh, shudder at the touch of a Christian. 
uh, <laughs> so these were pretty wild statements uh, for him to be making. Uh, but he was a realist. Uh, uh, he saw the world as it was, and, and he set out to, uh, to change it. Uh, he lived in a, in a period of great religious turmoil mm. in Britain in the, in the Victorian age. People were abandoning the church. We, we tend to think uh, of the Victorians as very straight-laced and moralistic mm. and so on. Yeah. Uh, maybe that was the, uh, the sheen that was put on the society, but there, there was, in truth, of course, that was not the case. Uh, people were abandoning the church. Uh, only a quarter of the population was, uh, was uh, going to church on Sundays. Uh, so it was a heyday for, for three free thinkers, uh, uh, atheists and agnostics, and uh, a great challenge to the church, uh, which had dominated society. Because in Britain in the, the mid 19th century, you couldn't get into university. Mm. You couldn't uh, be admitted to politics. You couldn't testify in court uh, unless you uh, swore on the Bible and oath uh, that you were a Christian and would tell the truth on that basis. So um, there was a whole whole upsurge of, of challenge of, of these uh, restrictions and uh, Holyoke, uh, I guess, uh, he had a pretty good upbringing. He was a son of a working-class family, but mm-hmm. they, they were better off than most. But he had an early turning point in his life, yeah. if I can tell you about that. Yeah, so, I was going to ask you about he, that, yeah. When he was, when he was 12 years old, uh, <clears throat> his sister uh, died uh, after uh, illness uh, uh, and... Uh, they'd been unable to uh, afford uh, treatment for her care. And the, money, and the money they'd saved for her, uh, it had to be handed over to the Church of England to meet the Easter tithe. Mm. So uh, on the given day, uh, uh, George's mother went off to the, to the church in Birmingham where they lived. Uh, the rector kept her, her waiting five hours in the office to pay the tithe, which she was overdue on. And uh, by the time she got home, the little girl had, uh, had uh, died. Mm. So uh, that turned George into a rebellious young man. Yeah. Uh, he was attracted <clears throat> to the ideas of uh, a man named Robert Owen. Mm-hmm. Now, Robert Owen was quite a character. He was born in Wales. He became very wealthy as a the operator of textile mill in Scotland, a very wealthy capitalist, but he turned socialist, and uh, he uh, went against religion. He denounced all organized religion as frauds, mm-hmm. and uh, George was very much taken with this, and he became uh, what they called a social missionary for uh, for. Uh, an organization Owen had set up called the Society of Religious Rationalists. Uh, now, if you can if you can be rational about religion, uh, you're a better man than, <laughs> than me. But, uh, but Owen had this utopian vision to establish worker communities, 
mm. where uh, where uh, they would share in the profits. Uh, he didn't do very well. He established two, one in England, one in the States. They both failed. And uh, George would probably uh, have gone on, Holyoke would probably have spent his life as a sort of borderline agnostic, mm-hmm. but for the fact that a close friend of his was put in jail for blasphemy, mm. sent to jail for a year because he was editing a, a radical newspaper called The Oracle of Reason. And uh, in it, he, uh, he called the Bible a Jew book, uh, and uh, he was attacked not for anti-Semitism, uh, but for saying that the Bible was a monstrous book that was filled with lust, sodomies, and wholesale slaughtering, to which, of course, it was and mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so when George Holyoke heard that his friend Southwell had been put in jail for that, uh, that that did it for him with Christianity. Uh, and uh, he, uh, he turned against uh, uh, even the... Uh, his own uh, uh, society, the mm-hmm. Society of Religious Rationalists. And uh, he was uh, uh, working in Sheffield, England. He went to his home in Birmingham, uh, 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 Birmingham mm-hmm. and uh, decided to walk to Bristol, which was uh, quite a long walk, which was where uh, his friend was imprisoned. And on the way... He stopped in a town, beautiful English West Country town called Cheltenham, and there he made a speech. And actually, the speech was in promotion of Owen's idea of establishing these worker communities. Uh, He thought that uh, if they did that, they wouldn't have to uh, go off to the colonies, to Canada and Australia, to find a better life, Mm -hmm. that they could do so at home. So he made the speech about uh, worker communities, never said a word about religion. And in the uh, question period, somebody got up, and it was a, we've learned it was a, it was a planted question. Mm-hmm. A man got up and, and said, now you've said a lot of, in your speech about man's duty to man. What about man's duty to God? Mm. And uh, Holyoke uh, being honest, uh, uh, not knowing uh, any other answer than a truthful answer, uh, said, well, he didn't believe in God, uh, that, uh, that uh, they should put all the ministers uh, and put God on half pay because uh, the country couldn't afford uh, <laughs> the Church of England and organized uh, religion. And uh, uh, made his speech, left, left town the next morning, walked the rest of the way to Bristol. And when he was in Bristol, he picked up a newspaper from Cheltenham Mm -hmm. where he saw that he'd been branded as a monster and uh, the newspaper was demanding that the authorities take action to prevent this uh, pervert from uh, uh, spreading this anti-Christian viewpoint. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, he wasn't going to take that lying down, so uh, lying down, so Holyoke decided to walk back to the Cheltenham and, and give another speech, uh, which he did. Uh, and then as he spoke, 
all the uh, a dozen police came in and made a ring around the the auditorium. And uh, Holyoke says, well, he thought that uh, in view of the fact that he had a, a big a big audience and now he had the police in, he thought, well, if he talked for another hour, he might convert the police. <laughs> so he carried on with his speech. He carried on with his speech. Uh, but in the end, uh, he was arrested, uh, taken down to the local jail yeah. uh, the charge of uh, blasphemy was read. And... Uh, he ended up serving six months for for blasphemy. Yeah. So when he came, he gave a lot of thought to the condition of England, the working class mired in poverty. Mm-hmm. He came out determined to change things, to get religion off people's backs. And his idea was that the public sphere, the schools, the courts, Parliament mm-hmm. should be free of religion, but the people should still be have every right to practice religion privately or in their churches, and that the government should have nothing to do with religion, mm. but religion should have nothing to do with government. Right. And uh, he struggled with this uh, idea, realizing realizing that atheism had a bad rap. Yeah. represented immorality and, and obscenity. Indecency, and yeah. You know, he, he saw that the public wasn't going to go for, for atheism. I mean, he realized that if uh, we were to, if England was to lift the burden of religion from public life, that a new approach was needed. He needed a new word. Because uh, Holyoke 
thought that everyone should be able to participate in secularism as long as they were agreeable to the public sphere being free of religion. Mm. He didn't care what religion they were or what they did in their private lives. Whereas his rival, Bradlaugh, Charles Bradlaugh, very handsome, very charismatic man, uh, was determined that uh, you had to be an atheist to be a secularist. Mm. And uh, uh, Bradlaugh succeeded in establishing the National Secular Society and was able to squeeze uh, 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 Holyoke out of that. So there was a, a division there because the free thinkers were a fractious bunch yeah. uh, arguing and fighting among themselves just as the, the various branches of the Protestant churches sure, were, yeah, yeah. Were, were, were fighting amongst uh, amongst themselves. And uh, uh, Holyoke, though, was, uh, he admitted that his flaws, and he had many flaws, and he admitted that one of his big flaws was his inability to focus on any one single issue. Anything mm. that came along that smacked of needing of social reform, he got involved. Uh, open Sundays, for example. Yeah, yeah. He wanted people to be able to enjoy recreation on Sundays. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be limited to having to go to church. Uh, votes for women, he was in favor of that. Uh uh, this was at a time when even not even all men had the vote. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, trade unions, he supported trade unions. But his big interest, other than secularism, was the cooperative movement. And it was in its infancy in England. And he realized that if uh, farmers uh, were to get a fair price for their, for their product, that they had to have a cooperative arrangement with the retailers mm-hmm. and uh, not be subject to the wiles of the grain buyers and, and the middlemen. And uh, he realized also that uh, if uh, consumers were to get a fair crack, uh, they had to have a, a chance at the sharing in the profits of the stores. Mm-hmm. So he uh, promoted this cooperative movement, which has become very, very dominant all over the world. And of course, we have cooperative stores and cooperative movements, mm-hmm. cooperative credit unions uh, everywhere. Vancouver City Credit Union, one right. of the biggest in North America, uh, a cooperative effort. And uh, so he was very, very successful and, and contributed a great deal. So he was a great social reformer. Yeah. Um, they, they, he at one time or another, uh, he belonged. He sat on the boards of 22 organizations uh, dedicated to social reform. And uh, if it was said uh, that if uh, uh, a cause needed an organization, uh, Holyoke would start one. So yeah. he was a very busy man. Good father, good mm-hmm. husband, but totally committed to the public interest. What? What? Uh, you, you mentioned Bradlaugh and and the uh, the, the squeezing out at the the, uh, the society there. Um, do you think that's a reason why Holyoke's largely been forgotten? 
I'm not sure that that is uh, it's a contributing factor, no doubt. But you know, one of the uh, it is one of the great ironies of history that here is a man who played an absolutely transformative role mm-hmm. in the liberalizing of uh, society, of uh, the creation of what we have today as our our democratic secular uh, states, uh, and yet he's uh, been uh, totally forgotten. The historians know about him, yeah. but there's not been a modern biography. Uh, on the book I've written, Inventing Secularism, which is is a biography of Holyoke and does give his whole life story as well as explaining secularism, uh, is the first one since 1906. Mm. So uh, you can see that uh, he uh, he's fallen into... Uh, 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 sort of an unsung hero status, unknown and neglected by most. Uh, but this cause of, the, of uh, for all practical purposes, of triumph in Britain, although technically, uh, you know, Britain still has uh, its established church, uh, a head of state, mm-hmm. who's both uh, uh, queen and uh, and uh, head of the church, uh, and, they, and there is still religion taught in English schools. But by and large, uh, in all uh, meaningful ways, uh, Britain as Canada, mm-hmm. uh, uh, is a secular state, uh, the United States and, and France are the two great examples of, of countries that went their own way, uh, developing their own their own form of uh, separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. Um, both today faced with issues, even though uh, we now see in the United States a, a president who is committed to progressive values, but nonetheless the Republican Party remains very strong, mm-hmm. particularly at the state level. And, uh, for instance, it's just, uh, it's just uh, in the uh, yeah, Arkansas has passed a, a, an anti-abortion law limiting uh, uh, abortion after 16 weeks. Mm. Well, the doctors will tell you most women don't know they're pregnant until around that time. So uh, there's a, a very uh, a very severe uh, kickback mm-hmm. against the uh, democratic rights today in the United States against voting rights. Uh, the issues are, are very much in the fore. Indeed, um, but but um, the, the the Holyoke's fundamental central idea, as I'm reading your book, is and, and and I don't know why more religious people don't get this, is is that looking after the well-being of a fellow citizen um, is essential. Well, yes, he put that he put that first. Uh, he, he he saw it as the. That's the first duty mm-hmm. of, of uh, an individual uh, to uh, to uh, deal with uh, the issues and the problems of, of life here and now, yeah, over and uh, ahead of uh, an imagined life hereafter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was prepared to admit that there might be an, a life hereafter, uh, but... Uh, uh, 
he could see no evidence of it, nor nor did he think uh, anyone else could. Um, but, he, but he promoted the, the idea of serving your fellow human beings. He thought that every person should uh, devote uh, a good uh, a, par- a portion of their a portion of their energy mm-hmm. uh, to serving their neighbor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we, so many moralists, religious people, they lose sight of that. It, it's, it's one of the reasons why I think a lot of people hate religion. Um, the, the other thing I was thinking about, Ray, as, as I was reading the book, is um, the idea of, um, uh, you know, the, you mentioned already that, that um, we are nominally secular here in Canada, but there is there is always increasing risk or, or um, you know, the, uh, uh, perhaps a, a, a threatening of that of secularism in this country. Um, does that worry you? Well, I'm less worried about the situation in Canada uh, than I think anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we have we have no real challenges uh, in Canada to our democratic secular rights. Uh, we don't have any political parties trying to uh, uh, devise ways of uh, uh, interfering with the, the vote. Uh, our elections are wide open, efficiently run, uh, at, the votes are accurately counted, and uh, we accept the results, as we have demonstrated in the general election, after general election. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, uh, uh, there are uh, people who uh, uh, have certain religious views that they'd like to see uh, put into practice, mm-hmm. uh, and it's their right to, uh, you know, advocate for that purpose. Um, but it gains no traction, yeah. and anyone who follows uh, politics in Canada currently, for example, uh, will be well aware that... Uh, the Conservative Party, which at one time um, gave uh, quite free license to uh, uh, extremist views, mm-hmm. uh, is very much uh, uh, has now recognized that they're not going to, to win over uh, the, uh, the suburban uh, housewife uh, or even most of the working voters uh, today yeah. with that kind of a stance. If anything... Uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, if anything, uh, the, any issues of secularism are, are actually in our in Quebec, right. where being French-speaking, uh, they're very much influenced by what's been going on in France. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, perhaps in my view, uh, and I consider myself a civil libertarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel that goes hand in hand with secularism. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't see the, the the harm in somebody wearing a, a little uh, gold uh, uh, Christian uh, brooch uh, as they teach school. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I I feel that uh, uh, maybe this. Uh, Controversy in Quebec is a little bit of a, as they say, a, uh, a solution in search of a problem because <laughs> the 
the uh, it seems to be aimed more at Muslims, and there are so yeah. few Muslims in Quebec who who are fine people and have caused no problems, and accept the secularism of society. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we need we need laws to oppress their their personal behaviors. You mentioned a moment ago, Ray, um, as to what Holyoke thought about life after death. Um, have you given thought to that, or are you of the same view as as, as he is? Uh, he was, I should say. Well, I can tell you a little story if you have time. Oh, please, yeah. Uh, when I was twelve years old, I was at home one Friday afternoon alone uh, after school. Uh, after school, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, two people came to the door. <laughs> they were uh, emissaries of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. And uh, they gave me a lecture. I was quite willing to listen to them. And left me the liter- some literature, the Watchtower magazine, yeah. some other uh, pamphlets. Uh-huh. And uh, so over the weekend, <laughs> being a studious kid, over the weekend, I read all this stuff. And I was, I must admit, I was quite taken with it, and uh, so Monday I went off to school, and when I got home, I was I hurriedly turned to my literature that Jehovah's Witnesses had left me, yeah. and uh, I'm coming through it, I'm reading it, and suddenly, Joe, the light bulb went on, and it dawned, and I realized this is all nonsense. <laughs> this is all make-believe. None of this makes it, it rings with any truth, whatever. So I put that aside. I, I have nothing against the Jehovah's Witnesses mm-hmm. or any other religion. But I put it aside. And I asked my father, <clears throat> I said, uh, do you believe in God? And he said, well, not as such. He said, I, uh, I do believe in a higher power. <clears throat> well, that, uh, that satisfied me for for a few years. Yeah. But as I, I as I matured and uh, began to study religion and learned about secularism, uh, in time, uh, I came to embrace the concept of atheism, uh, seeing that there's no evidence, and I nor way nor is there any way that I can imagine any life after death. Yeah. Life is here and now. There's nothing to fear of death. George Holyoke said, urging people to uh, be good to their neighbors, said, the man who knows how to live will know how to die. Mm. So I go along with that. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I'm I'm no, I'm I guess I'm nominally Catholic, but um, I, I understand the value of secularism in in a, in a free and democratic society. And a uh, society, you know, that that, that um, has uh, many different views. Uh, ha- how have you been holding up there in Kingston? Uh, well, very well. Uh, we've had uh, <clears throat> we've had less uh, uh, less COVID mm-hmm. uh, than uh, than most cities, and uh, one of the reasons is that uh, uh, our city very wisely uh, early on in the uh, pandemic. Uh, took all of the 35, uh, 35 um, res- uh, restaurant uh, um, uh, inspectors mm-hmm. and sent them into the nursing home mm. uh, with instructions 
on how to deal with uh, this infection. And consequently, uh, I, <clears throat> I believe we've had very few, if any, death, uh, deaths in our nursing home. Oh, that's good, yeah. Yeah, um, I have enjoyed reading this book and uh, enjoyed this chance to, to catch up again. Are you working on another book now, Ray? Uh, not at the moment. Uh, I'm concentrating on magazine articles. Yeah. Uh, another of my interests, this will come as a surprise to anybody who sees me as an author dealing with an issue like secular, uh -huh. secularism. Another of my interests from boyhood has been the fate of the Neanderthals. Mm. Uh, a lot of kids, you know, love the dinosaurs. Sure, yeah. I, I love the Neanderthals, or Neanderthals, as, as some people also call them. Yeah. And so I've written, I've read every scientific paper I can get my hand on. When I was traveling in France, I interviewed a number of paleontologists. And the upshot is, uh, an article in the summer issue of Queen's Quarterly, uh -huh. the magazine of uh, Queen's University. Yeah. Uh, the title is The Neanderthal Within Us, because we all show carry Neanderthal genes. Mm. And in fact, it's been uh, determined in uh, medical examinations and in a global study that uh, those carrying certain types of Neanderthal genes were very susceptible to COVID. Mm. So uh, the Neanderthals have really never died out. They continue to live within us as part of our genetic structure. Yeah, well, I can't wait to, to see what, what you, you've come up with, and, and people can follow you online. <laughs> And, well, thank you, Joe. Yeah. It's been a delight. I'm a little hoarse. I'm sorry about that. But it's been a delight talking to you today. Yeah. I, I, do, I, hope that, I do hope that uh, it will promote an interest in uh, George Holyoke. Absolutely. Secularism and in my book, Inventing Secularism. Indeed. Uh, you've been a, a great friend over the years, and I wish you well, and uh, we'll talk soon, I hope. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you to all your listeners. Bye-bye. Visit RayArgyle.com for more information. The book is called Inventing Secularism, The Radical Life of George Jacob Holyoke. It is published by McFarland Books. Its author, uh, Ray Argyle, joined me on the line from Kingston, Ontario. In Vancouver, I'm Joseph Plato.